Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. I am Brian. With me as always are Zach and Vince. Thanks for listening as always and be warned. We're going to talk about what happens in these books. We're going to spoil the books that were released on February 22nd, 2017. So if you haven't read them yet, pause the podcast and go and read them. Um, boys, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> yep, Vince says it all. So let's move on to Justice League of America number one, written by Steve Orlando, illustrated by Ivan Reyes. Um, we got the Rebirth issue two weeks ago. This is the first sort of... Uh, team mission however uh what did you guys think of the issue this is the best justice league book that we've gotten in six years (laughs) that i don't disagree with that that's not saying all that much though it's not but this was good i think yeah i I liked it. Zach, I feel like I'm going to say the exact same thing that you said last week about the Wildstorm. Uh-huh. Like, I I, I can explain this... why I liked it after you sure. do your piece. I'll just say, like, I think it was technically a very good comic. Um, I love the way that Steve Orlando writes all of these characters. Like, I love, I think he gets them all. He gives them all a little showcase even if it's just a line or two that but but i mean he's got him he's got him down um my my i i'm i'm gonna hold off from saying that i loved it because i thought the plot was like like for for your first arc coming out the gates the plot felt like a hundred other plots we've read from like superhero teen book team books and actually, Ken from from MultiversityComics.com kind of ruined it for me because he said, "This is just the like opening issue of Grant Morrison's Justice League. <laughs> like the threat is kind of the same." And and I and and he said that, and I was like, you know, he's not wrong. Um, it didn't make it a bad comic. It's just like all the pieces are there, and I think Orlando's got like a great handle on these characters, but like this plot is just not as unique as I would have wanted right out of the gates uh, is my thing about it I mean like like so so this Lord Havoc has like come from one of the other Earths where he's killed he's killed like the the Marvel Earth heroes right like he mentions yeah. Machine Head right uh-huh. and now he's come to the Prime Earth and it's not that he's like he thinks he's doing something good, right? So, like he thinks he's saving this world from something. And uh yeah, I don't know. I just feel like that's I'm sure Orlando will find like a unique way by the end to to do this, but it feels like a plot I've read many times before. So, can I Throwing my two cents here, Zach, before you defend it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I feel kind of in between you guys, but there's one very big bit of, of, uh, I don't want to say it's cognitive dissonance. I don't know what it is, but is it just me or does this team seem 
like the worst possible team to fight this threat. <laughs> yeah, and and, and, I think, and, and I think that, that's part of the appeal. That, well, that I was gonna say that could be part of the appeal, but I feel like they're being written as if they can handle the threat. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like I, I feel like if it was, if this was. A, a situation of like, oh my goodness, look how unmatched we are. Look how much stronger they are. We have to find ways to be creative. We have to be the Americans against the British in the Civil War and, you know, and change the style of warfare. I don't think we're really seeing that. No, granted, we could. This is the first issue, and I am fully on board with this with this book, no matter what the first issue was like. But I feel like it's a little bit of, it's the wrong team for the mission, but they're not being presented that way. Yeah. I mean, I think what Batman does at the end of the issue by sort of giving himself up is a little bit what you're talking about as far as, like, changing the game or going at it a different way. Right, yes. The last page might might be the key to that. But Yeah, but, but I, think, I think your concerns about it are valid. I mean, it depends on where it goes from here, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. Zach, what were you going to say about why you like this so much? Okay, why I like it is because, okay, so you know when Multiversity was coming out and we were wondering, like, we were wanting books to, you know, kind of like pick that up and follow up on that and we got that in Superman and now this is kind of, I see this as more of the, like, continuation of that. Like, we're getting to see, like, the bleed over from that, sort of story which you know we haven't gotten that for a really long time like this is in a way like a, a you know kind of th- these are repercussions like from multiversity yeah for sure um because like it even references like you know thunderer and and all of them and like we saw their earth destroyed in multiversity i'm pretty sure yeah, I'm not a fan of how all these people keep dying. That's that's my one thing. Yeah, I want these <laughs> I want these characters to survive forever. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I, I I do I like what you said, Zach. And um, if if we think about where the, the, this book in particular and Superman messing around with the multiversity stuff made me think a lot about where we were before Flashpoint, and that was we we had like this bustling universe where you had the JSA characters, you had the youthful characters, you had the Justice League in various forms, various teams, um, and it it really felt like everything was possible, and then they kind of bottled it up with the New 52, right? Um, Like, literally, we were back to an extremely limited and and small-feeling universe, you know? Yeah. And I feel like Rebirth... Rebirth is not quite there yet with the legacy stuff, but it's clearly getting there, you know? Like, they're working through having Wally West back, and they're working through introducing, like, the Super Sons, and they're getting there, you know? Um, But I feel like on the periphery with all this multiversal stuff, with all these different Earths, I feel like going back to that, like that aspect of DC is so far beyond what they've been, what they were doing even before the new 52, you know? Right. Like, like right now I feel like any one of these 52 earths could have a visitor show up in the prime earth at any time. 
Um, I think we talked about how with Superman, the fact that they had a three-issue arc like that felt like a major event, you know? Right. Um, and I feel like this, yeah, like I love the way that that idea contributes to the universe as a whole. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a really good point, Zach. I agree with you on that. Um, I'm yeah, and, I'm well, and as well, I agree with you in terms of like the plot things. Feeling um, familiar. Yeah. Yeah. And not even familiar in a way where it's like, an, like to me, I didn't get that like, oh, this feels like old times, Fe- like the good old days. I didn't get that feeling. I kind of got the, oh, I've seen this before, mm-hmm. which, which, which there, that's, there's a very thin line between those two feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what do we think of Ivan Reyes's art on this, guys? I thought it was really good. You would yeah. think that. I'm still like <laughs> just, a pretty big kidding. Reyes. I'm still a pretty big Reyes fan. And I really like that he started working with Marcelo Maiolo a lot. I think he's a good match for him. Yeah, I think I, I've always liked his art. You know, it's it's very um the characters are all very good looking. <laughs> yeah. Even the main man is pretty handsome. Uh, I I didn't love the fact that there were three different inkers on the book. I think you can tell. Mm. I think there are parts of the book that that look a little bit um, over inked, if you will, uh, with a little too heavy of a like line. The, like the last page. Yeah, absolutely. Little... Yeah. Yeah. And there's a few like that, so I thought that took away from it. Uh, but I, Marcelo Maiola is my favorite colorist working today, so I was glad to see him on the book. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean. I, you know, Reyes is good for this widescreen action stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was a little bit concerned because we've talked and we've been criticized by our listeners uh, for calling this a street-level team, where I've been at least. Um, <laughs> and I understand the uh, the sort of dichotomy there. But I feel like the characters, I didn't see Reyes, if it was going to be a more earthbound um, street level book. I didn't see Reyes as being a great fit for the title, but because they are going up against a multiversal enemy in the beginning, I think his work fits better. Yeah, I also think it's interesting that he's become like the de facto multiverse artist. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I I love to see him draw different takes on on different characters, so I think it's good. Absolutely. I, I will say the one, like, I am really a big fan of, of his work. The one thing I do not like about his art is the way that he draws the beady little bat eyes <laughs> so often. Like, yeah. I uh, like, And it's weird because it's not even like that on on every page, you know? Like, no, it's like some it's pages like, he has the normal bat eyes. Yeah, it's like something he's doing with the shading. Or, or maybe that's the anchor too, but like I don't know. There's there's several pages where his eyes, because of the shadows around the like arches of his brow, create just like little lights that yeah <laughs> make it like really. And I I don't mind it so much, except that last page looks very funny to me because it's like such a close up, and then he's got these just two little beady. <laughs> Shitty eye. I don't know. These two little little orphan Annie eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny, but I but I love his art. I mean, I think it's 
big bombastic comic art, and I can't believe he turns it out as quickly as he does. Um, I mean, I know he's not going to be doing like six issues in a row, you know, but you know, he's usually not one to to do an issue and then all of a sudden need an issue off right away. You know, right. he'll do he'll do three usually. Um. So yeah. Anything else to add about this issue before we uh, move on? I don't think so. I hope I hope it just gets a little bit more unique from here. But it, it certainly wasn't bad, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I also like. I mean, Orlando has talked a lot about you know how influential the Morrison run was, and so I'm I'm kind of not surprised to see this first art kind of um, pay homage to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I would expect it to maybe take on. Um, a bit more, like a, a bit more of his, you know, kind of like distinct flavor um, in like later arcs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd hope so. Yeah, but it's funny. I actually didn't even make the the Morrison connection. I, I didn't even think about that, but it is. Yeah, it's like spot on. All right, that brings us to the Commandy Challenge number two. Written by Peter Tomasi, illustrated by Neil Adams. Um, so I love the concept behind this book, where each creative team is leaving a cliffhanger for the uh, the next team. And this was a really interesting issue to me, and I'm not gonna tip my hand just yet, but I I uh, I felt there were some things that worked really well here, and some things that worked a little bit less well, but. <laughs> But I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say. Well, I think this uh, is uh, this is fun. Um, it's fun above all else. I, I mean, yes. I think I think we knew just by the nature of the concept that you weren't going to get some uh, definitive reimagining of Commandy or or even a plot that because quite literally they're like picking up each plot as it goes along with each issue and each new creative team. I, I you know it wasn't going to feel like a cohesive product necessarily but rather a fun homage to kirby and i think it's succeeding on that level um but we'll we'll get into what your thoughts are brian but but i did think that like this issue had a lot of fun segments and i enjoyed uh peter tomasi's script like i thought he was having a lot of fun i thought neil adams was having a lot of fun but i two issues in now i feel like this comic is going to be these characters just bouncing from place to place, um, getting in and out of scrapes uh, without much substance to it. You know, they're like, like Commandy's literally just going to get dragged through a bunch of uh, outrageous sort of situations. And uh, that's just going to, that's just going to be the style of the book because every writer is going to be completely different. So, um, I, I just, I, I think it, I think, you know, there's, there's not going to be any substance beyond that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Zach, what did you think? Um, I liked this issue a lot. Uh, I think I might've liked it even better than the first one. Maybe, um, like I feel like Neil Adams' art is perfect for this, and <laughs> it's just like so fun, and and it 
it subverted my expectations a few times um you know like with the with the bomb and then um like having the mobius chair show up and then even you know manhunters things like that it's just bringing in a lot of things faster than i than i expected you know it's like it's just really moving but I, I feel like it's like that because each issue is written by a different writer. You know, it's not it's not going to follow. Kind of like you you alluded to, with, it's not going to follow like the typical, you know, three act structure that a that a mini series would be expected to. So it's just kind of like throwing all these um, disparate things at us, and, and yeah, it's just fun. Yeah. Yeah, my thoughts on this issue are very, very simple. I think that Tomasi and Adams struggled to get out of the cliffhanger. But once they did, I thought it really took off. You know, having the Mobius chair, having the Manhunters, all that stuff, I was I was hooting and hollering, to quote Vince. <laughs> uh, you know, on that stuff. But I felt that the the Trojan horse thing was I guess it's clever, but I thought it was a little predictable. And I thought it was sort of the easy way out. Part of the fun of having a comic like this is that you can leave... Dan Abnett left a nuclear bomb about to go off. And they didn't deliver that. I feel like you know part of the fun of this comic, there's no consequences to this, right? This isn't continuity. This isn't going to do anything crazy. So make the bomb go off. You know, I, I feel like that was a bit of a cop out. But once they started telling their own story, I really, really enjoyed it. See, I guess I kind of I expected it to be like a, you know, Commandy stops the bomb and and now they're friends and they move on to something else. You know, uh-huh. and the yeah. fact that it didn't do that. I appreciate it. That's fair. So yeah. I guess I, w- I was glad that it didn't take the easy way out. You were disappointed that it didn't go big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think it's interesting. I think it's the perfect sort of uh, red herring for the era of comics that we're talking about. I mean, there were always these ridiculous cliffhangers and things that then turned out. And I know what you're saying about continuity and whatnot, but they it's it, it is very comics to have it be a comical result you know yeah. to have it be an ape inside the bomb you know um i thought it was fitting yeah it wasn't bombastic but i thought tonally you could have read that in a comic from the 70s for sure yeah i'll agree with that yeah did you did you notice the relics that the ravens were carrying uh let me refresh my memory here and look. I don't think so. Um, they it looks like they have um, a shield of Wonder Woman's Green Arrow's bow and arrow, Superman's cape, and Harley Quinn's hammer. Oh, okay, that's fun. So, oh wow, Harley uh, Quinn. Harley Quinn reigns. She, she, yeah, <laughs> we can't we can't even read the commandy challenge without having her shoved in there. And next month is is Palmiati and Connor, so she'll definitely show up. Oh, oh hell yeah, baby! I can't wait till she dookies on Commandy's <laughs> chest and makes fun of the size of his penis. Yeah. It's gonna be great. I really hope that truly is. are a boy, huh? <laughs> 
the last boy on earth, huh? Let's get to repopulating. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. There's the joke. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, All right. But yeah, a fun comic. Uh, that brings us to Supergirl being super, number two, written by Mariko Tamaki, illustrated by Joelle Jones. Uh, last time we talked about this book, I had not read the first issue because I just kind of forgot. And then today I realized, oh, I have to read both issues of this. But I was blown away by it. I'm really loving this. This is like the perfect Elseworlds type story. You know, it's not concerned about fitting into the continuity. It's just telling its own story, and it's doing so really well. I mean, Joel Jones is just so great. And uh, it has real stakes. It has real heart. It looks gorgeous. I, I, wish, I wish this creative team was doing more for DC after this. And maybe they are, but yeah. What would you guys think? Zach, I think you hadn't read this last time either, had you? No, no, I I had read up to a point, and then I, I I don't think I'd finished it, but yeah, um, gone back and yeah, this is just this is delightful. This is um, this is like, I mean, I oh, I struggle saying this, but I I think I might like this better than the the main Supergirl book. I, I do, and I like the new Supergirl book. Yeah, I think there's something so fresh about this. Um, Mariko Tamaki is like, I mean, she's doing some work for Marvel now too, so she's not like some, she's not going to be a secret much longer, you know? Is she Uh doing Hulk? Hulk, yeah. Okay. Um, She's great. That Hulk, have you seen that at all? Um, No, not really. I don't guess I have. I, I mean, she's just got such a different approach, I think, compared to the majority of Cape comics these days. And it really is all about the heart and the authenticity, I think. Um, so spoiler alert, there was a, a big death. One of, uh, one of Kara's classmates dies in this issue and she's unable to save her. And the, the weight that that's treated with and the way that it clearly affects everybody, and they, the, the the time that they take to explore that in this issue is something else. I mean, it feels authentic, it's believable, it's high stakes, and and you really get to see Kara grapple with that, you know. And it's it's so well written and it's so well drawn. It's just it's just very very good. It's so good that you don't care that you haven't seen the Supergirl costume until like the very end of this issue, and it's a double-sized issue, so really it's like... You're 100 pages in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're four issues in, essentially. And and that doesn't matter because, because Tamaki understands the person that's under there that this is, ver- this is very much Supergirl, and we haven't even seen her as Supergirl yet, you right. know? Um, it's... Man, this is good. This is this is out of everything that DC is publishing right now, Young Animal included. This is a top ten thing that they've done since Rebirth has started, and it's not Rebirth related, but right? 
but I mean, this is squarely in that top 10 for me. But I, I see this as part of the same sort of group of books as the Dead Man, Dark yeah. Mansions of Forbidden Love. Just these sort of out of time, out of continuity books that are that have amazing artists on them mm-hmm. and that are presented in this prestige format. And uh, yeah, there's, I have nothing bad to say about this comic at all. Is um, is this a three issue series? Four issues. I checked that Four, earlier. Okay. Yeah. So effectively eight, the content of like eight issues. Yeah. Essentially. Okay. Yeah, it'll it'll be like 196 pages when it's all said and done. Wow. Which is great. It's great. What's not so great is Action Comics number 974. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, written by Dan Jurgens, illustrated by Patrick Zercher and Steven Segovia. And, uh, yeah, we've talked a little bit about this off air. But let's, let's dive in here, guys. There is so much bullshit happening in this comic. <laughs> there is so much stuff that doesn't matter shoved on top of stuff that should be mattering and so you almost can't get to the stuff that matters because there's 50 feet of bullshit on top of it like superwoman's dying okay and that's really interesting which like well first of all like why is that happening in this book agreed but like regardless that's interesting steel and superwoman they're interesting uh superman's like kryptonian robot assistant interesting the first couple pages of this book i'm like oh nice this is this is this is you know the first four pages are gonna be you know we're gonna get some interesting stuff and then we get this sharp detour into fake clarkville (laughs) and where he's just the weirdest weirdo in the whole fucking world he brings everyone down because can we talk about the like conspiracy theory web thing that Lois is building with like oh, those God. sticky notes height weight the same high school <laughs> records the same college slash career the same anxious to always play. underfoot Too shows anxious. up uninvited intrusive saw John, saw John. <laughs> meanwhile fake Clark is pounding burgers and sodas for some reason yeah. for no reason for no reason why why is he doing this <laughs> And then, and then bringing a limo and proposing to her. Every that whole thing was just so like skeevy, and like yeah. I think I get that that's like the point, but man, it's just like it's like painful to read. It it's is painful to read. It's, I mean, I've proposed on the first date before, you guys. It never <laughs> goes well. <laughs> no, I haven't. Who are but... you, maybe Funke? Marry <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Babysit me. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. Uh, <laughs> no, but 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 that's the problem with Jurgens. That's the whole goddamn problem with him as a writer is that, like, okay, Clark is going to be slightly off, but you can guarantee that that by the time we get halfway through this fake Clark shit, he's going to be so off-putting and so weird that nobody with any semblance of a sane mind would want to be anywhere near him. Because Jurgens is just going to do too much. And so, of course, he's going to have this Clark propose to Lois on the first date. Of course he is. But right. that 
it's it's embarrassing to read that. <laughs> he's he's like a he's like a a monster movie villain. <laughs> yeah. Or something. Yeah. You know, like size rubber suit and everything. <laughs> that last page. Yours. <laughs> and the one who looks like me. <laughs> yeah. Can I can I interrupt here for a second? So this week I for my evergreen review for Multiversity, I reviewed the death of Superman. Uh-huh. I read it in its entirety for the first time since nineteen ninety three. I have read bits and pieces, but let me tell you something. Jurgens wasn't any better back then. All right. Yeah. Do you remember the kid Mitch from that? <laughs> I read your review. So but, I but do you guys not... remember that character? Yeah. Uh, he no. starts the Superman of America later. Anyway, there's this kid, and he self-identifies as a big guy Gardner fan, which in 1992 should tell you something. This kid's an asshole. Okay. <laughs> uh, but moving on from there. So he goes into his house, and his mom is like, hey, Mitch, how's your day? And he's like, stop talking, Mom. Why is there no soda? This is probably why Dad left. He literally <laughs> says that. He literally says, because there's not soda in the house. That's why Dad left. And, like, reading this issue after reading that, I'm like, oh, Jurgens hasn't changed. He just takes, like, the simplest part of somebody and exaggerates it to the nth degree. Like, if it's it's smart to make this Clark a little bit creepy. To make him the creepiest person who's ever lived <laughs> is not a good look. Can, can I can I make a uh, prediction right now? You can, and then I have to share what Multiversity editor, editor Emeritus Walt Richardson's prediction is. Okay, all right. So the, the, this this last sequence of pages here where, like, the real current Clark comes home to Lois and John and they're eating um, burgers again. Everyone eats burgers. In the DCU all the time, 100% of the time. No safe spaces, all burgers. Yep. Um, (laughs) And the fake Clark is outside their house, okay? First of all, this goddamn dialogue. Like, (laughs) you were lying to me all along. That boy isn't your cousin's son. He's yours. Yours. And the (laughs) one who looks like me. It's all coming back to me. Like, this is nonsense, first of all. The one who looks like me. The one who looks like is, me. Is like the name of Kirk Van Houten's second album. <laughs> After Can I Borrow a Feeling. Can I Borrow a Feeling. Um, I remember I remember all of it. You've ruined my life, ruined everything. Well, it's fun. If it's fun you want, it's fun you'll get. So let me make a little prediction here. What they could have done with the fake Clark is said what you guys said two weeks ago, maybe it was, about how this is a ghost remnant of a Clark from the New 52 52 Superman. Clark or whatever, yes, after he died. And, you know, his superpowers went throughout the world and powered up, you know, Kenan Kong, etc., and left behind a ghost Clark, right? That would be kind of a cool explanation, I guess, except that even if that is the explanation of this, now you've made him so weird and so unlikable and so like, instead of there being some sort of nuance, like, Ooh, how are we going to deal? Like, how are we going to deal with having a, a, a ghost Clark that's left over from the Superman that was the hero of this world? You know, now he's just an asshole because Jurgens can't like navigate any plot with any subtlety, you know. Like instead of making this some complex, and and I'm only speculating 
that you guys are right that that's what this guy is. It could turn out to be even worse than that. Like, he could just be some joker, like I predicted two weeks ago. <laughs> like, it's just going to be some guy that, like, they're not even going to explain how he... Oh, I, th- I thought you meant one of the three jokers. No. Like, he pulls off his Marquette mask. <laughs> and, and he has, like, a... Uh... Rich Johnston thinks that that's who this is. No, Where but, they like, get a load of me? <laughs> you, know... <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though? Like, they couldn't have this be some sort of complex continuity thing he's got to become a cartoon villain now with him kneeling down saying if it's fun you want it's fun you'll get and you know like there's going to be no room for like they're going to turn him into some cartoonish villain and that's what this entire thing that's lasted almost a year now has been we've been doing this for almost a year like the solicits for the year anniversary of rebirth are coming like yeah those the last ones that we just had and like it's going to be disappointing whatever the whatever whatever the identity of fake clark is but the most disappointing thing of all is that since we had to have this to begin with it couldn't be something more than him being crazy at the end and turning into a villain all right can i share waltz i loved it Walt's a very smart and handsome yeah. man. And, uh, <laughs> now, Walt uh, has not read this. That's important to note. <laughs> Walt is just, like, keeping up with what's happening in it. He might, he might be better off. I think he is. And his suggestion would both be the best and worst possible scenario here. The best because all favorites are going to, like, raise our fists in the air and say, fuck, yeah. But then we're going to remember that Jurgens is writing this. And our fists are going to slowly fall back down to our bodies. What if he's Superboy Prime? Ah. Uh. Well, okay. <laughs> if that is the case, I mean, I assume, like, I know, like, every issue we've been like, well, maybe we're finally going to find out what the deal is, like, every time. But I assume that this is going to play out in the Reborn crossover. It will, month. yes. And so at least... Gleason and Tomasi are also on board. I guess, but it's gonna be bad, right? Like, like. Oh man, if this is Superboy Prime, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. (laughs) I haven't even thought about that. That's a lot better. That's a lot better than anything else I could have come up with. Except that it's not. No, no. If that's no, if that's the case, then this whole Action Comics run has been saved. It makes it retroactively good, in that my is, opinion. It is that is a better idea than just him being a ghost remnant of Clark, who's who turns evil because that's the only way that Jurgens. And it fix makes it. Oh my end. gosh, Walt, you beautiful! <laughs> oh my gosh, Emily, like, don't makes, read this. Yeah. Walt, hello. The, the, the last page, like that, is Superboy Prime. <laughs> Like, he would say all of those things. He has said all of those things. <laughs> oh, you're... oh, my goodness. <laughs> Zach got woke right now. Yeah, Zach is... <laughs> this is got... what it is. It's what I... it is. I gotta say, I won't forget... I won't forgive Jurgens for what he's done. And I, I certainly won't trust him to, you know, write it in an interesting way or whatever. <laughs> But that that is that is more interesting than anything I would have given him credit for, for sure. 
Absolutely. And I would have to think that it was actually Jeff John's idea or something. Because, oh, it was totally yeah. Jeff John's idea. Of course idea. it was Jeff John's idea. 100,000%. Let's not be silly here, guys. Come on. I have, I have no problem slandering Jurgens on this podcast. <laughs> guys, this is what it is. Like, <laughs> it's like man i'm so mad at myself like why it's right there in front of my face the whole time i think maybe i i guess i can't fault myself because i didn't expect you know i didn't expect <laughs> this in, coming in action comics. this coming from the creator of superboy prime's pal dan didio well, i didn't expect it to come from where it's coming from if you i'm trying to be nice <laughs> we, we might have to have walt come on the show Man, yeah. victory lap if he's right my about goodness. <laughs> this is Superboy Prime right in front of my face. He's grown up. He looks like regular Clark. He lived a regular Clark life. Everything, it's perfect. There it is. Oh my goodness. He rem- Oh man, it's a- <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. Wait a minute. Yes. Now I'm woke too. Because think about it. Like, if I were to meet Power Girl in real life, I would propose to her on the first date. <laughs> Power Girl is my lowest lane. <laughs> this makes so much sense. <sighs> Man, Walt just made action comics good. I'm going to go buy every issue of this series and make a shrine to Walt. <laughs> oh, man. Walt, Walt, you beautiful motherfucker. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I don't think we can do better than that. No, I, I, think, I think you're right. I think we've... Uh... I don't think I'm going to sleep tonight. Oh, man. <laughs> uh. I'm uh I'm happy I could make your day, guys. Gosh, if this well, Walt happen, did it, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy so I was the. Uh... Oh, it's not gonna happen. No, it's, it's too, gonna happen. It's too good for it to happen. It can't not happen now, Brian. It's gotta happen. <laughs> we shall see. That's all I'm gonna say. We shall see. Anyway, let's let, let's move on to Batgirl. It's yeah. gonna be Frank Lemonski. I don't think I don't think I can move on at this point. <laughs> I'm laughing at both ideas that Frank Leminski used the power of the Phantom Ring to make himself into Clark Kent. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Batgirl number eight was really good, guys. Uh, written by Hope Larson, illustrated by uh, what's the artist's first name? Here we go, uh, Chris, Chris Wild Goose. Yeah. Um. I, okay. I, I. Vince, you start this time. I always start. I, yeah, I really liked this a lot. I like this more than the opening arc, which I like. I, you know, I was wild about that. But oh, yeah. This is like, oh, th- this this book has that, like, je ne sais quoi that, like, I don't know exactly how it does it, and I don't know how to describe it. But it's like the perfect mix of, like, in costume, out of costume, pacing flow humor romance action relevance modern modern uh modernity or modern modernity graphics. yeah whatever it is maternity um <laughs> lots of pregnancy that, that's it's, yeah that's like it's just like when you find out that 
Bizarro <laughs> Clark with Super Boy Prime. It's just like that. <laughs> it's just like that. Like, everything from, like, so the comic opens up with an, uh, uh, you know, Two-Face on a bus, and he's rigged, the, he's rigged the, the bus with a bomb. But then you find out later that this is just an escape room date that uh, Babs and Ethan Cobblepot are on. And, of course, it is. I mean, you know it's not really Two-Face. Like, you, you know that right away. But that's, like, a fun comic booky way to get into the issue. And then, that was a super fun intro, yeah. Oh, it was so much fun. And then they go to a they they're at a club later, and it's a laundromat club, kind of making fun of the fact that there's all these like themed clubs these days, like the bar that only serves different types of water, you know, and things like that. Like making lampooning that idea, you know. Um, by the way, washing your underwear in the club—that is a power move. <laughs> You're not going home alone at night. If you wash your underwear in the club, that's probably true. If you do this, <laughs> um, <laughs> that was the secret missing verse to Fifty Cents. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> me in the club, washing them on the yeah, yes, exactly. Um, washing all my scrubs. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Um, and then and then the fact that they brought in Magpie, which who's working for this app company, <laughs> like just it's it's. Yeah, that was some smart synergy with uh, Nightwing. Yes, yeah, smart. This book is just smart. It, it, like, I just love the way that, uh, oh, yeah. I loved the, like, nod to, like, the real life, uh, the, like, app inventor thing uh-huh. at MIT. That was, like, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, this like, everything in this issue just feels, like, so, like, current and relevant and... I don't know when I, you know, when they announced that this arc was going to be about like the penguin son, I, you know, I kind of like rolled my eyes a little and, but this is really good. I'm not going to totally shit in your cereal here, <laughs> but I think this is the poorest dialogue issue so far. Uh, you're crazy. Let me uh, let, so. let me let me just read this to you. Okay? It's got a voice. Oh come on. <laughs> Maybe I should be more open minded. And if anyone knows what it's like to be judged by her father's actions, it's me, Barbara Gordon, police commissioner's daughter. People totally think that way to themselves. No, no. There, there was a lot of clunky dialogue on this issue. There was. You, well, when you think about it, you don't actively say the words that way. It's just it's conveying a thought in your head. I'm going to defend this, Brian. You're there, not tearing this down. Uh, no, I, I thought plot wise, it was great. I really enjoyed it. But there's a, especially um, Babs's internal monologuing was really overwritten. I think in this issue. You could be right, but I didn't notice it. When, I mean, if I read it again with that in mind, maybe, but... Even just like, you know, um, so what's it like having the Penguin for a dad? <laughs> just just having command and saying that is just, you know... I, I feel well, like it, it, it ain't proposing on the first date. I'll no, say it's that. not. No, I, don't, I like this issue. I did. It's just that I feel that this was the poorest written of the bunch. The I like that the plotting was great, just a poorly dialogued issue. Okay. I'm not saying it's bad. I liked it. It's just, you know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I have to say about it. Uh, I really like Chris Wild Goose's art. 
I think he's a good fit for this book. Um, the penguin's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Let's try and fly through these next few. So, uh, just spoiler alert: we are going to uh, we're not going to have a lot of uh, stuff to say about these next two issues because two thirds of us didn't read it. Uh, this is uh, Batman Beyond number five, written by Dan Jurgens, illustrated by Bernard Chang. Vince, take it away. And you know what? While you're at it, just include Blue Beetle into this as well. Blue Beetle number six, written by uh, Keith Giffen. <laughs> And illustrated by uh, Scott Collins. Just just give us the rundown of both. All right. I'm going to wedge the plots together as if they were the same book. Because they are. No. I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm not going to talk about the plots at all. We're not going to. I'm just going to hit a couple of points. Okay. Um, so in Batman Beyond, Terry, like, rescues the Bruce that's made up like the Joker, right? I just want everybody who's listening. I know... This is kind of clunky to do on the podcast, but turn to page 14 of this issue and look at Terry lifting Bruce in his bed, like into the sky and how Bruce and his bed are like half the size of Terry McGinnis in the bat suit. Um, Bernard Chang's a very good artist that I like a lot, but like <laughs> even he is phoning it in, in this book at this point because it's so bad. Um, uh, that's I like I laughed out loud when I saw that panel, and I can't believe I was reading this book closely enough to notice that. <laughs> so, um, also uh, because this is a Dan Jurgens comic, we spent five issues with you know Bruce dressed up as the Joker in that bed, and at the end of this issue, you find out that the jo- the Joker is actually back for real, also. <laughs> so because of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> And that's like the big final page, like, man, wait till they get a load of me uh, moment. And uh, and Blue Beetle, um, there was a reference to Dan Garrett, um, who I believe was the Blue Beetle of... Yes. Uh, uh, the, uh, what was it? Is it quite... No. What were you... What? I, I was trying to remember the comic, the imprint. Charleston? Charleston, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so Charlton. Charlton. Charlton thank yeah. You. Thank you. Um yeah, so anyway, he uh he was referenced and 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 th- what they're saying is that uh Dan Garrett was killed by a version of the scarab or the original scarab before. Or, you know, like somebody says to Ted like you know, messing around with this scarab, that's how Dan Garrett died, you know, and Ted kind of says, like, well, you don't you don't know that for sure. We don't know that for sure. So kind of teasing that maybe Dan Garrett's coming back at some point, which would be cool, you know, always nice to get. Like, I love the piecing together of the old DCU that Rebirth is trying to accomplish, but this was really not a good comic otherwise. Um, uh, it kind of sets up it sets up a battle between Dr. Fate and the blue beetle costume, which has become sentient and is like a mech right now. Like, and the Kent Nelson, Dr. Fate, right? Not the Khalid one. I believe so. I don't think they've shown who's under the helmet, but I think we're to assume that it's Kent Nelson because of what happened in, uh, 
the Doctor Fate series that ended kind of coinciding with Rebirth's beginning. Right. Like, Kent Nelson has his helmet, you know, but they, they haven't said who it is in this series yet. I, I have believe to, it's him, though. I have to believe it's him, um, just based on how they're presenting him. But, uh, yeah, it's, ugh, it's just not good. Yeah. It's the same as it's been, you know, it's just this crappy banter and, like, Ted, like Ted Cord is a total dick in this just constantly keeping stuff from everybody and playing like the aloof scientist. And that's not like, that is not Ted. That's not who he was. Is it? I mean, no, not at all. I remember him differently. So anyway, it's just not a good look, Ted. No, not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let's okay. Let's move on. Deathstroke. Yes. This is good. All right. Good. Deathstroke, written by Christopher Priest, illustrated by Joe Bennett. Um, this issue brings in Raptor. It has a great reveal at the end. It does some fun stuff with Jericho. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that reveal at the end made me gasp. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Slade yeah. Wilson like a boss. Right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Ball and his son's fiance. His possibly gay son's fiance. Right, right. <laughs> God. <laughs> I think we've said this maybe a dozen times before, but um, Slade Wilson is a bastard. Yes, he is. For sure. Um, this is such a great comic, you guys. It, it's It's awesome. It's just awesome. It's just I just wanna, I wanna, I wanna blow kisses at Christopher Priest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just I love that he puts on the old um, Deathstroke costume. It and... immediately gets made fun. of. Yes, I was gonna say, yes. and, and is and is owned for it almost instantly. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, yeah, the pirate costume. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I, I also love that Raptor is a dumpster diver. <laughs> dumpster dives for the icon suit. Yep. He claims, oh, what does he say? He like says it very formally, like I claim salvage of this suit yeah. or something like that. It's like, like it's some sort of hobo code. Maybe it is. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. So good though. Uh, I really think. If you're not reading Deathstroke and you like superhero comics, I don't understand you. <laughs> yeah. All right. We talk about the book a lot, so let's move on. Um, <laughs> Detective Comics number 951, illustrated, I'm sorry, written by James Tynion IV, illustrated by Christian, do we know if it's Deuce, Duce? It's, it, he oh, we've talked about this before. We have. Yeah. I can't remember where, where we landed. I like. Uh, eh, let's say Deuce. Christian Deuce. Okay. Um, so this issue has uh, a fair amount of um, uh, Orphan, I guess. I, I keep forgetting that, that name. Uh, but there's a lot of talk about Orphan and about sort of her you know, how she's handling all of this. And I like that they mentioned, they brought back the opera, which ties it into Batman and Robin Eternal. 
there was that great scene at the opera. Remember that? Remember that issue? Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed that. You know, this is just you know, it, it. It obviously was going to be a little bit hard to follow up the Batwoman stuff, but this is still a very good comic. Yeah, I really feel like they're building to something worthwhile here. This almost reminds me of where the book started from. Where, like, there was a lot of interesting pieces on the table, but each issue wasn't necessarily the most interesting comic you'd read all week. Mm -hmm. But then it got really good. Yeah. And it's also great seeing... So, like, this is really, really great payoff for that first arc. um, Because we're getting to see Bruce, like... I mean, I I feel like you're still, as a reader, supposed to think he did the right thing in, in, you know, stopping Colony from doing what they did in the first arc, but now he's dealing with the repercussions of that. Yeah. And he's having to deal with being wrong, um, which is just really interesting. Yeah. I also like I the idea of there being this, like, criminal organization that is essentially just they're 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 essentially terrorists, right? They're just they're just there to make everybody go go just go ape shit, you know, just to cause chaos and cause confusion. I think that too often that is I feel like that's the lazy person's way of describing the Joker. Because that's sort of how um Christopher Nolan describes the Joker as like pure anarchy, you know. But I think that there's something different about what's happening here. And that last that last reveal in the issue of the entire crowd being League of Shadows operatives was was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I agree. This was this was fun. The you know the the mud room full of penguin. Um, yeah. I love the mud room. Are, yeah, I love the mud room. Yeah, I, I agree, Brian. I think this is kind of like those early issues where it, you know they're they're clearly building to something. Um, uh, I tr- I trust that it's going to get there too. And, and I thought nine fifty. I guess my problem is is that nine fifty was that issue for me. It was an oversized issue that kind of set up all these little plot threads. And I guess I, I guess by the end of this issue, it really did get into the meat of the situation. So that was good. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean, but this is a very good comic. I mean, regardless, you should be reading this. Yeah. Um, definitely, definitely should be investing in this twice a month versus action comics twice a month or Batman twice a month. Yeah. This is where the real Batman stuff is happening and, you know, not to derail necessarily, but, um, did you guys see the thing about the Scott Snyder Capullo event that that Bleed Inkle posted? That has been delayed. Been delayed, yeah, and um, possibly maybe for for things going on. Well, you know, he he theorized that there was maybe another event book, but it does seem that like there's you know this this story arc could be a really big deal. Yeah. I didn't see that. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, look it up. It's interesting. It's the first that I've heard about, like, um, the, like, Snyder Capullo event, which I, I didn't, I hadn't heard anything. I had heard but, that it's uh, supposedly called Metal and it involves Nth Metal. Yeah, yeah. See, that's the first I had heard of that, which 
not not the way I would have gone, but hey, I love nth metal. <laughs> I think they really need to do something with uh, Hawkman. So oh, I I I like the idea, but that it being a, a Batman centric story just seems weird. It's just that Scott Snyder can talk about the scientific properties of nth metal. Oh, if that's what that book is like, I don't want to read it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that brings us to The Flash, uh, the part four of Rogues Reloaded, written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by, hold your breath, your boys, Carmine D. Giadomenico, Davide Gianfelice, and Neil Gouge. Gouge is the easiest name. Yes, exactly. I thought this was a really good issue, again, of this book. Josh Williamson just gets these characters. It was a lot of fun. It showed a lot of really interesting uh, sort of... It it showed the rogues in a way that I feel like is very pre-New 52. You know, I think we forget sometimes that Captain Cold was in the Justice League like less than a year ago. (laughs) You know, but it showed... But to me, this was this was a strong issue. What would you guys think? Zach? I was a little disappointed in how it ended, I guess. I don't know. For what reason? Talk me through it. I just... I do like the rogues being like a little bit more morally gray and having it shift this way where like captain cole is setting himself up as kind of you know the new kingpin of of central city i just don't love that that's just personally it i think the story was great i just don't personally like that that's where it ended vince be the tiebreaker here i I guess I'm somewhere between you guys. Um, I get what Zach's saying. I was I was a little. It did not have as. Uh, I, if if you remember when we talked about the ending of the first arc where Godspeed ended up in Iron Heights. Yeah. I loved the way that that all came to a head and and concluded. And I think I raved about it on the podcast. I think I wouldn't go that far here because I do think that that idea. Again, it's kind of been done before with other characters, you know. Um, but I, I do like the way that he writes the rogues. He writes the rogues in the way that we always talk about the Flash and the rogues, where they're, like, not friends, not friendly, but, like, not even a mutual respect, but just kind of, like, there's an unspoken agreement that there's a way that think that stopping crime should be done, you know. And the Flash participates in that this way and they accept the terms of that this way and they kind of there's an unspoken unspoken rule about how their hero villain relationship goes right right and and that's not always embraced but i feel like williamson 100 percent embraces and and hits on that um i guess i just think yeah the the captain cold being the new boss of crime is kind of like something that you know that's well-tread ground i think with other characters not necessarily with the rogues but i was gonna say isn't that different for him i guess but until i see where it goes 
I don't know. I don't know. It's not all that exciting to me. I just think I well, we'll see what he does with it. I just think like where where can this go that's more interesting than them being the rogues, you know? It also feels know. to me kind of like I mean it is different, but it also feels like regressive for the character. Um, yeah, I guess that's part of it too, yeah. Like it's spinning him more as like full on villain which at least in my time reading him he's not really been that I don't know I have mixed feelings as you're allowed to have I'll allow it <laughs> alright yeah. well that um, that brings us to how Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps number 15 written by Robert Venditti Illustrated by Ethan Van Skyver. I've got a hot take for this issue. Go for it. <laughs> this is the the best Van Skyver art we've had. <laughs> I think. It's a low bar, but I'm not going to necessarily disagree. I feel, well, I, I guess I should. I feel like this is the closest to old Van Skyver that we've gotten. Yeah. There's like. Flipping through, I don't remember seeing like any like really overtly weird anatomy junk. Oh, there's there's some, <laughs> but like not not as bad as like I don't know. There's just something about this that just feels closer to how I remember him looking. The teeth are still the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I I won't disagree with you, Zach, but only because like. I'm just so over his art that I can't even make that ju- like I can't even get myself to make that judgment, you know. I-, I can look at it and say like, is this better? Uh, I don't know. It's just not my thing anymore. I'll say this: he put Guy Gardner in the warrior leather jacket, <laughs> plus one, right there. Yeah, yeah. The guy stuff was actually pretty fun in this issue. I liked I liked how he he uh, found Arkillo. And he said, you know, everyone says you're the Kilowog of the Yellow Lanterns, but you're not. You're the Guy Gardner. Right. And that's kind of perfect to me. Yeah, I thought Venditti kind of knocked this one out of the park, actually. I thought it did really nice stuff with St. Walker. Mm-hmm. I think that Hal and Kyle's visions for themselves were really true to their characters and well-written. And, uh, yeah, I thought this was a pretty good issue, despite Van Skyver. Or, I guess, uh, you know, taking him into consideration. Yeah, remember when this was the worst of the two Lantern books, guys? <laughs> or like, no, I don't actually have <laughs> 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 Nice. <laughs> it was. No, when? When, when, like when, the when first, did that happen? The first couple issues. No, 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 no. You are misremembering the first arc of Green Lantern, sir. <laughs> Am I? Yes. All of that Red Lanterns junk? I feel like the Rebirth issue. The Rebirth issue. Uh, the Rebirth issue, okay. I'll give you that. Oh, <laughs> uh, We have fun. We do have fun. All right, that brings us to Suicide Squad, number 12. Written by Rob Williams, illustrated by John Rita Jr. and Eddie Barrows. Um, you know, so there, there, there are two competing things here i want to talk about the first is that 
we're supposed to believe that Amanda Waller really dies. Which <laughs> as, Zach, she, as she did. Right, which Zach brings up, uh, brought up last time. Now, now, Brian, this is no different from who shot Mr. Burns. <laughs> it's going to be Mackie? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying Mr. Burns is still kicking. That's true. Too, you know, I mean. Uh, but, you know, Amanda Waller also somehow narrates her own death. <laughs> And, uh, and yeah, it was weird. This also, this issue had a lot of weird John Romita Jr. stuff. It didn't help that he had to draw them all as, like, digital projections. That yeah. did nothing to help his, uh... I'm gonna voice my second bad opinion of the night, that I think this is good John Romita. There, uh, oh, I don't know about that, pal. There, this, is, some... this is as, at least on par with anything he did in All-Star Batman. That first issue. Yeah, I was going to say that first issue. Thing that he's I done. feel like I feel like this looks like that. Those, okay, those pages though, like two, maybe two, three, or four pages in, where it's just nothing but like lines and piping, because they're like. I feel like that's what that issue was too. <laughs> I mean, it had like some good moments. Like I always think back to like the the, the splash page in the field, in that first issue. You know, you know the one. <laughs> Yeah, and like I just it, it doesn't look that different. I don't know. I I feel like this is this is good John Romita compared to what was the last thing he did before All Star? Superman. Yeah, compared to that, I feel like this is better than that. Maybe I'm way off. Maybe I need to have them both in front of me. But I don't know. I don't know. I can't keep I can't keep doing with doing this with John Romita by the way like I can't keep like liking his art and thinking it's good again and then and then not Wolf Howling because it's bad again a minute later (laughs) (laughs) I don't know yeah yeah can we agree that there's a lot of weirdness in this comic though yeah I mean this comic's only ever real weird I don't like it I mean Amanda Waller, my last conscious thought, fuck all of you. I am Amanda Waller. Come on. <laughs> I really wanted there to be, because they're, they're trying to figure out who shot her, you know? Uh-huh. I really wanted there to be a scene where, you know, somebody said, uh, do you hold a grudge against Amanda Waller? And then Captain Boomerang would be like, no. All right, well, maybe I did, mate, but I didn't <laughs> shoot her. Okay, checks out. You're good to go. Good. <laughs> it's like a hot date tonight. Yeah. Hot date. <laughs> Dinner with friends. <laughs> Dinner alone. <laughs> Watching TV alone. <laughs> All right, I'm going to sit at home and ogle the ladies in the Victoria's Secret catalog. <laughs> See his catalog. <laughs> now, would you unhook this already, please? I don't deserve this kind of shabby treatment. <laughs> I can't believe you guys just wrote this. This book. That was like four pages. <laughs> All right, so that's a nine-panel grid scene. If I've ever seriously, seen now is there anyone less interesting to have shot Waller than Deadshot? It's a, it's what I expected all along. Right. Well, there, wait a minute. The guy with the gun, him. the guy <laughs> yeah. with the gun, and the perfect shot is the one who shot her. Yeah. What was that, Zach? So wait, okay, I've I've got a theory. Maybe the things that they show on the last page of the issue aren't really what happened. They're just tricking us. 
<laughs> if maybe. I cared, if I cared more about this comic, I might so think maybe about maybe it Amanda out. Waller isn't actually dead. Maybe death Deadshot didn't shoot her. I'm calling this right now. This is going to be Amanda Waller had Deadshot shoot her so that she could like suss out a mole or something. Or that she could run Task Force X one. Oh, that is true. Task Force Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the hell. I don't know. Black, Black Lantern, Amanda Waller. <laughs> I get. I guess I no longer care about this book enough to like pay attention or think about whether <laughs> I think there's a twist or something. It's not like. It's not like. Um, a good comic where I'm trying to figure out what's really going on or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a I comic mean, that I read and just take it face value and go, well, I didn't like that. So see, I, this is not a book I would read if we weren't doing this. Right. But because I read it. So like, I really didn't like the Jim Lee art. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. But I kind of like this. Not and again, were we doing this, I wouldn't still wouldn't be reading it. But because I'm reading it and I'm exposed to it, my reaction to it is I kind of like it. Yeah, <laughs> I I okay. Sure. I mean, I know what you're saying. We just have different opinions. As as we do. Yeah. Not often though, so we we Not can't. Not often. Get... We're going to be very polite and nice about it. But... <laughs> How Midwestern. All right. That brings us to Teen Titans, number five. Uh, written by Ben Percy, illustrated by Koi Pham. You ready for my hot take? Yeah. This is the best issue of the series so far. Uh-huh. And the best issue of a comic with the title Titans on it so far. No. Uh-huh. No. Even even better no, than no, that no, Lee no, Weeks. Than the Lee Weeks one? Yeah. No. It's close, but this is better, I think. No, I can't You know that. what a Wally West mark I am. You know that I know, that's why I can't believe this. This is a really <laughs> great issue. I mean it's it's a you saying that this is the best issue of this series is like me saying that Justice League of America number one is the best Justice League issue we've got. Well that's but... why I had to throw in my caveat about the uh about Titans itself. This is the this is the best uh, issue of any Titans book since before the New Fifty Two. Yeah, I'll hear that. I I would say that this is the best Titans issue besides that Titans one, but that's a that's a, that's a small. It is. Okay. Yeah, we're we're splitting hairs there. We are. And actually, I think I I think those real two are divisive books. tonight, guys. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. Is this the end of the DC three? <laughs> Tune in next week to find out. We're going to let uh, Dan DiDio write the next uh, script for our show, much like Commandy Challenge. It's going to be the DC3 Challenge. Let Keith Giffen do it. Keith Giffen will determine. No, because then we're not going to make a decision about ending the show or not. It's just going to be the three of us bantering back and forth. Oh, won't it be? <laughs> you don't know that. Oh, I think I do. Well, were you, you born yesterday? <laughs> what was that, Vince? Sorry. I said, what, were you born yesterday? No, I was born the day before that. You were born yesterday. <laughs> well, that makes me one day smarter than you. Smarter oh, doesn't me mean all the calendar out. 
I don't know what. What the hell are we doing? Anyway, this is a great issue, guys. It's really good. The the only misstep is that Beast Boy horny Michael and yeah. Not <laughs> Uh, I can't. I, I gotta explain that to my stepdaughter now. My nine-year-old stepdaughter has to learn what horny is because we read Teen Titans. Do you read it with her, actually? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. But if I did, I was I'd hoping you did. We sweet. read. We read Teen Titans Go. Yeah, so I do that with my daughter too. So. No, but um, yes, Beast Boy being horny, but 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 again, another image of them building t- Titans Tower, just like in that great Titans issue. Yep. Hit me right in the feels, um, and, and and having it on the other coast is a nice, like yep. a nice touch. Like the, the towers are almost facing each other, you know. And it really feels like Damien is growing a little. Yeah, like the fact that he says that we're a work in progress is insane. Like including him in that, like, but I don't think it's I, I don't think it's out of character for him to say that. I think it's based on what we've seen in these five issues. I feel like like he grew into this role in a way that is believable to me. Yeah. In the way that a young young adult comic should be, you know. Yeah. This Man, is, I like this. This is also the best Koi Fam art of this series too so far. Oh, this is really good. Yeah. I love little things like uh, Raven swallowing his pain, Damien's pain. Mm-hmm. And that was a very again they're they're acting like a team. And, you know, I, I, there's nothing cheesier than, like, a character telling the other characters, like, that scene with Robin telling the Demon's Fist, like, where they're from, could have could have been really cheesy. Yeah. It, but it wasn't. It was heartfelt, and it was, it was well done, and, yeah, this is a good comic. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, I'm, I'm so delighted to have a good Teen Titans comic again. It's been there, a while. And I got really, to Oh. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Zach. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. I was going to say I I was a skeptic of Ben Percy not as a writer because I like what he does on Green Arrow, but but I like him more here and if you would have made me bet money on which book I was going to like more uh pre-rebirth just based on like the idea that you're giving a bunch of teen characters to Ben Percy, like, I didn't think it was going to turn out like this. Yeah. But I, but I like this book a lot. I mean, this is, this has that youthful feel that I want. It's good shit. It's good. I was just going to say, this is like a really small thing, but I, I really like how this team looks together. Like, yes. The colors are really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who's the colorist in this book, actually? Uh, that's a great question. It is someone whose name I'm going to butcher. It's Jim Charalampidus. Char- Charalampidus. I don't know if I'm familiar with his work. I'm not either. But he did some nice work here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, this is uh this is a good comic. See, he apparently has done issues of the the Arrow digital comic, mm. uh, Generation Hope from like around the Schism era of X Men, and 
Legends of the Dark Knight. So mostly it looks like digital stuff. Okay. Okay. Well, that brings us to the Hellblazer number seven. Oh. Oh. Written by Simon Oliver, illustrated by Philip Tan. This book is officially off the rails. Okay, here's my biggest problem with this book, and I've said this in the past, but this issue is the perfect encapsulation of it. This is not a Constantine book. He's barely in this book. And when he's in it, he's just like spouting stereotypical things Constantine says about like drinking. Oh, come on, guys. I love this issue. You didn't I'm read just, it, Zach. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you just wanted to fight again. You, you like that visceral feeling. <laughs> I didn't know how much I liked being <laughs> It's the only time you felt alive. <laughs> oh. uh, um, yeah, I mean, you're right about Constantine. This is not. This does not feel like a Constantine book. This is not what... So... So when when Hellblazer was canceled from Vertigo, right, several years back, it was ostensibly to fold Constantine into the reg- DCU regular, yep. Justice League Dark, all that. That didn't go very well. Pissed off a lot of Hellblazer fans, but I felt like with the um, previous series, uh, the um, Riley Rosmo, uh, who wrote, who was the writer on that? Um, um, uh, James Tynion, I think. Didn't he co-write it? Oh, yeah, you're right. It was, was it Ming Doyle? It was Ming Doyle, yeah. There you go, yes. Yeah, like, I thought that book got a little grimier in a way that sort of got halfway between Hellblazer and, and DCU Constantine. Um, but I feel like this book is getting further away. Like, like this book makes me think it's a sh- still a shame that Hellblazer was no longer a Vertigo book. Right. In, in a way that that uh, Riley Rosmo book did not make me think that. You know? Like, yeah. I read this book and I think, I just want, they should just stick him in Vertigo because they're not doing anything with him. This This is not the book that they were selling at the start of Rebirth. And it's not a Constantine book. So what is it? You know, like I I was ready to have a book that was Swamp Thing and Constantine teaming up um, for something that was going to have a greater impact in DC Rebirth. Like that's what weren't they going to like they they, they were going to like bump up against the Justice League, weren't they? Wasn't that like one of the original conceits? That sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, I, and it's just I don't know where it's going, but it's not going anywhere that I'm interested in. And what is going on with the art, you guys? Well, I don't want to uh, speak out of school here, but uh, I I'm a bit friendly with Moritat, who was the original artist in the series, and he claimed that uh, that there was some that essentially Philip Tan is buddy buddy with one of DC's higher ups and something didn't go Phillips way. And so this was sort of his reward for being like, you know, or his, his maybe consolation prize, but man, this isn't half as good as the stuff Moritat was doing. Yeah. And I mean, what is, 
this is like a new thing. I'm going to edit all that out, by the way. So just putting that out there. Yeah. So okay. hang on. Hang on. Yeah, this art sucks. <laughs> yeah. This is like, there are two different kinds of Philip Tan. Um, this one and then like the, the like grittier, kind of like sketchier one. The, the Savage Hawkman Philip Tan. Yeah. I feel like this is a third kind now. <laughs> this is like, isn't this like Philip Tan from like the one of the Villains Month issues that was really bad? Probably, yes. yeah. The Creeper one, I think maybe. Oh God, it might it's... not have been. It was one of the Justice League Dark ones. It's like when the book's not good, he's not good either. Yeah, you know. Can, okay, the last time we saw him was in a Suicide Squad issue where he was doing the backup story about, um. Uh, what's her face? Uh, Katana. Katana, right? And and while I didn't really care for that issue or that story at all, I thought his style was very fitting. It was almost like a bridge between manga and and like you know more more traditional American style cape comic art, you mm-hmm. know, and. That is the style that he's doing here, and it doesn't work for this book at all. And I think it's a sloppier version of that. And it's, I don't know if it's better or worse than the Hawkman stuff, but this doesn't really look like what he was doing on Hawkman either. But it doesn't look like what he was doing with Morrison on Batman and Robin, and that didn't look like the Hawkman stuff. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know what Philip Tan I'm going to get anymore. But this one just like, like what is it? There's like beautiful backgrounds, but then all the characters look like they're sloppily overlaid, like they're drawn completely separately, and like over, like laid over everything. Like what's going on here? I can't I don't even know. Pe- I can't even piece together how this was done. Like there's like weird digital effects, right? Which half look good? I think the backgrounds legitimately look good, but then they have these characters that don't look like they belong with them. Yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know either because I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's move on then to our final book. Of the week, Wonder Woman number seventeen, written by Greg Rucka, illustrated by Liam Sharp. Um, Rucka has done one thing that I think he's not getting enough credit for, and that's making me care about Cheetah. <laughs> I care about Cheetah, guys. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I enjoyed this issue. I enjoyed this one a lot too. Yeah, I uh, I think it looks great. I think I can't believe that Liam Sharp is keeping up the schedule. Um, I think his art looks great. I think I think the more and more he does with the panels, I think he's doing a great job. And I think more and more people are recognizing that. <laughs> to coin a phrase from our president, uh, <laughs> no, I just I do. I think the longer it goes on, the more. I I think when he first started drawing Wonder Woman. Um, we discussed on this show how, like, oh, maybe it's a little posed or maybe it's a little, 
I don't know. I always liked it, but but we felt like maybe it was a little static, you know? Yeah. I think the longer this goes on, like the more he's doing with the panels, you know, I love the the panel work that he does with Diana in the um, treatment center. You know, um, just the the pacing that's done through the si- the size of the panels and the and the arrangement. Um, he's doing some really interesting stuff there. His work is just really detailed, and he doesn't seem to be. Like, he never looks like he's rushing. Everything looks great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I love I love him as an artist. He, he draws, uh, you know, he doesn't suffer from, like, same face. He, he has a lot of, like, varied faces and styles and hairstyles and details. He, he makes sure that everyone looks unique and... Um, And I don't know. Um, yeah, I care about Cheetah too, and Ferdinand's back, and that's awesome. And I love that Ferdinand. Like credit to Rucka here. We haven't seen Ferdinand in a while, and I think we're essentially supposed to think that he's picking back up basically where Rucka left him. Right. In Rucka's last run, and you really feel that weight. Like Rucka does a really good job of having Ferdinand being like, you know, unsure about whether he wants to tag along again on, on these exploits. And he kind of, you know, he protects them from, from this attack at one point or this explosion. And he's kind of got this, like, well, as Steve says, it's good to see you again, Ferd. And he says, no offense, Steve. I'm kind of wishing you never had. Yeah. And he's just got this like world weary. He's almost like a big walking sigh right now. Yep. yep. And I just love the way that that's depicted and written. And yeah, this is just really well done. I think, um, you know, with the last arcs, I was way more into the, the year one stuff, but, but with these, second arcs um i'm way more into this side of things absolutely the odd number issues i concur well folks thanks for listening this was a a fun episode we um we got into some uh some heavy stuff there with superboy (laughs) prime but you know i'm glad we uh i'm glad we all made it to the other side i can't wait for it to be not superboy prime to watch uh, Zach meltdown after seeing him <laughs> be built up this week. Uh, I'm just kidding, Zach. I hope it's Superboy Prime. And he says he turns to the camera and says, "This one's for you, Zach." And then winks. <laughs> Nothing would make me happier than that. I will love Dan forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'll you know, love you forever, forever keep... and ever. Amen. I was gonna say, keep going. Um, but yeah, uh, we really appreciate all the feedback we've been getting on the show, um, both on Twitter and on the comments of multiversitycomics.com, so keep those coming. And check out multiversitycomics.com. We, uh, we've been doing a lot of fun stuff lately. Uh, Vince has been reviewing Legion, which is super fun. Um, yeah, it's a fun show. Yeah. Later this week, you'll hear... Fuck, as they say. What was that? It's a mind fuck, oh. as they say. Spoiler alert. 
Uh, I'm kidding. I'm not going to watch that show. Uh, no, I should watch it. It, it. I've heard it's very good. I'm looking forward to catching up on it eventually. Um, later this week, Zach will have his second episode of Manga Club, the podcast out there. So keep an ear out for that. And uh, until then, you can follow the three of us on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. I'm at VJ underscore O-S-T-R-O-W-S-K-I. And I'm at Fox 89 And we'll be determining who won our contests for uh, this stack of uh, hardcover DC books that is right next to me in the next few days. So keep an eye out in your email if you entered. And until next time, have a good night. And uh, fingers crossed that it's Superboy Prime. <laughs> or not, if you hate me. <laughs> Who could hate you? What is it? Yeah. Come on. Somebody out there. Surely. 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 Don't don't call me Shirley, Zach. Surely. (laughs) Did did they ruin it all? Did they ruin your whole life? My whole life. (laughs) They ruined. And the one who looks like me. (laughs) Well, if you want fun. It's fun you'll get. Things, the world would be great. Even though I'm 28, I get-